Emily Davenport, pronouns she, her, is the founder and executive director of the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance, a nonprofit wildlife rescue center in Colorado, USA, with the mission to elevate the care and protection of wildlife, which is done by fostering a sense of community and collaboration through the Alliance. In this refreshingly real and insightful conversation, Emily shares her story and how she started a non-profit, as well as her experiences combating gatekeeping and managing burnout and compassion fatigue within this space. Above all, Emily's top advice is to never stop learning, regardless of where you're at in your career. This podcast was partially recorded on Manang country. We wanted to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome, Emily. Hello and welcome to It's a Wildlife podcast and blog sharing the great work being done for wildlife conservation worldwide and solving problems for ecologists by ecologists. If you're a fellow wildlifer, whether you're just starting out or you've been about the traps for a while, tune in and let's chat. You're in the right place. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here um, and be a part of this. My name is Emily Davenport. I am the founder and executive director of the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance. We are a nonprofit in Colorado with the mission to elevate the care and protection of wildlife. And we do that by fostering a sense of community and collaboration through the Alliance. I have spent uh, the last 12 years working with wildlife now. And my background is in the veterinary profession. So that's kind of where I started. I started as a veterinary professional and worked in that field for 20 years and then eventually moved over into uh, the wildlife rehabilitation field. And I've done that now for about 12 years. So my specialty is birds and in particular birds of prey. So I work with eagles, hawks, falcons, owls, um, with a special interest in scavenging raptors. So vultures, condors, things like that. That is amazing. I guess you've been in this profession now for a really long time, but what got you started? What got you first interested in wildlife? Oh yeah, that's a great question. You know, working in the veterinary field for as long as I did, you know, I have a deep love of course for companion animals, dogs, cats, bunnies, guinea pigs, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, because the profession doesn't pay that well, um, I eventually took a really boring desk job for a dog training company. And it was more data entry and uh, data analysis. And so I was kind of looking to get back into the field working with animals. And I wanted to work with animals that I had never worked with before. So I had looked into a local donkey rescue and also looked into um, a birds of prey center near my house. And it just so happened that uh, the birds of prey center was having an orientation that weekend. And so I jumped on it and then I kind of completely fell head over heels for working with raptors and birds in particular, I always thought that I was going to work with wild canines of some kind. So wolves or coyotes, jackals, something along those lines, but birds completely stole my heart. And um, I started volunteering at this raptor center. And then I started taking sick days to be there, vacation days to be there. 
And then they eventually hired me part-time, then full-time, and I worked my way up slowly to their ICU manager, and then eventually their assistant director. So uh, it was kind of a slow, fluid process, but it was like the more I learned about wildlife and birds of prey in particular, the more I was like, oh man, I can't not do this anymore. This is amazing. Absolutely. And what is it about the birds of prey and the raptors in particular that just captured your heart? Well, gosh, let's see. There's so many things that captured my heart. Um, First and foremost, there's that little bit of danger factor. You're working with predators and they have sharp ends uh, on their feet and their beak uh, made for ripping and tearing and grabbing. So I've always been a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. And in the vet clinic, I always kind of loved working with the aggressive dogs. So uh, jumping into working with predatory birds was right up my alley, but also kind of the plight that they have worldwide. Uh, Another nonprofit did a study a few years ago that showed 52% of the world's raptor population is in decline. Uh, And then vultures in particular are in decline worldwide by 90%. That's terrifying. And so that kind of uh, reinforced my um, want and drive to work with these birds and to help as many individuals as possible. And, you know, they're just so magnificent. You see them soaring on the wind out in the wild, or you see them up close and they're these massive birds. And the fact that they are so big and can fly so gracefully is is just truly awe-inspiring. Just everything about them, I think, is is amazing. They're just perfectly evolved and perfectly adapted to do what they do in the ecosystem. Incredible. And it's such a sad thing to hear that so many raptors around the world are in decline, but that really is a common thread in the stories for a lot of predatory species. Yep, yep, indeed, indeed. Can you talk a little bit about the work that's done at the center? Sure, yeah. Uh, At the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance in Colorado, uh, we actually started our organization back in 2017, but we just got our own facility uh, in July of this year. So we are brand spanking new. Um, Since we opened our doors in July, we have helped over 160 patients, um, most of which are birds of prey and raptors. And our goal at the Wildlife Center is to take in injured, orphaned, and diseased animals, um, but with a special interest in raptors, um, with the goal of releasing healthy individuals back into their native habitat. So we only take native species at the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance. And we will bring them into our hospital. We will triage them, provide first aid. Um, We work with veterinarians to um, identify illness and disease and and different um, diagnoses. And then we work to kind of heal and treat those issues. Um, We provide physical therapy and then once they are ready we will release them back into the wild where they were found. There's an absolutely massive undertaking. How long does that kind of a process normally take from the day that the bird comes in to the day that it flies free again? Yeah uh, it, it depends on the individual and it depends on the injury. Um, on average most raptors are with us for about uh, three months. So they come in, um, those that have um, severe concussions or head trauma, or those that come in with broken wings and legs, um, they take time to heal. And so it can take anywhere from two weeks to a month to kind of heal those injuries. And then we have to make sure that they um, no longer need our supportive care and that they can feed themselves and, you know, move around a smaller enclosure. And then once it's kind of deemed that they are independently caring for themselves, 
then they move to a pre-release enclosure or a flight enclosure. That way they can build endurance, um, build strength so that they can be released back into the wild. So, so three months is pretty typical. Um, some are with us um, for shorter than that and some are with us for even longer than that. Um, some specific uh, disease processes and toxicities and have a bird stay in our care for longer, like lead poisoning in particular is, is one toxicity that takes time to treat. Um, and then we have to retest. And if they still come back positive, we have to treat again. Um, they are often pretty debilitated when they come into us. Um, some are oftentimes emaciated and, and very thin. So it takes time to kind of build up their body again, build up their strength, their muscle, their fat reserves, um, and then also get rid of the toxicity. So sometimes those can let, be with us almost up to six months. What an involved process, taking them through all of those steps. You said there are a huge number of animals that were with you at the moment. This must be an incredibly needed service within your region. Yes, yes, it is. And that's one of the big things we are passionate about. Um, so in Colorado, just to give you an idea, back in the early 2000s, there was over 100 different wildlife rehabilitation centers where the public could take an injured or orphaned animal. Today, there are less than 30. And there is a desperate need here in Colorado um, for wildlife rehabilitation services. And in fact, there is a term that has been coined called a, a rehabilitation desert, where there's parts of the Denver metro area, parts of our Western Slope, um, parts of the state that just don't have these resources. And so we actually opened our doors in one of these rehabilitation deserts um, in Douglas County. And we've just been flooded um, with injured animals, um, the public that don't know what to do with human wildlife conflicts. So we work to help resolve some of those human wildlife conflicts. We teach the public about coexisting with their wild neighbors because they were here first. And it's up to us to kind of share the ways that they can live alongside them without conflict. And then of course, when it comes to those reactive processes where they do have to come into rehab services, we're finally there. So, so yes, it was an absolutely much needed service. Um, over 160 animals in two months is, is quite a lot. And we turn away more animals than we can take on as well. So there's still more need in our community. Was that one of your main motivations behind founding this project? And can you talk us through a bit of the process from having this idea to fill this need and then actually manifesting that into the reality that it's become? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, it was a long process. And as the old saying goes, where there's a will, there's a way. And those that know me know I'm very, very willful, very stubborn, and I don't tend to give up easily. So this all kind of started from an idea, actually, when I worked at this other Raptor Center, I realized that in addition to lack of rehabilitation services, there was also a lack of services for the professionals that care for the wildlife. Um, there was no easy or affordable way for wildlife professionals to continue education in Colorado and in our Western states. And so I had this idea of creating an organization that not only did wildlife rehabilitation, but could also be a teaching hospital for professionals that also did research on the animals that they bring in um, and see what their post-release survival is, but also did some kind of continuing education component for um, our wildlife professionals. So that was really that spark, gosh, almost a decade ago now, when I started having this idea. 
And so before we got our facility, that's kind of how we started. We started as a continuing education organization where we would put out uh, operational resources for wildlife professionals. We would hold a symposium uh, virtually for wildlife professionals, do training, offer professional development. And then, you know, our long-term goal was, of course, to have this teaching hospital. So it wasn't easy. I joke that it took years off of my life to make this happen. But as one of my wonderful volunteers said recently, she's like, well, now that it's here, she's like, hopefully it will add more years to your life. And I, I really like that sentiment because it, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of dedication and it takes a lot of sacrifice. You know, I have a family at home that I don't get to see as often as I would like. And I don't get to spend as much time with my own animals at home. But, you know, that's the sacrifices that we make now so that down the road, you know, we can kind of have that bigger, better picture of, of kind of what we want and hope and dream for. So for anybody out there that has an idea or wants to create a nonprofit or has an idea for a rescue or rehab, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's not about the destination. It's truly about that journey. And it's truly about taking those baby steps forward. And hey, you'll take steps back. I certainly have failed along the way and tried things that did not work, but I'm in a much better place now and, and looking forward to the future. So, so absolutely. <laughs> Don't give up. I think that is wonderful advice. As you said, there's so often a lack not just of support for wildlife and injured wildlife in particular, but also for the supporters of wildlife. As you said, the training facility that you're creating and the other services that that kind of an institution automatically supplies in the support, the community, the nurture, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about how important that kind of training and that community amongst people has been for the people involved. Absolutely. You know, here in Colorado, we I've always kind of joked that we don't play well with each other as wildlife rehabilitators. I have always felt like we are all on our own little tiny islands and we don't always communicate with each other or share knowledge. And so that's something that I was super passionate about is to kind of change the way we think about wildlife rehabilitation in Colorado and the way we think about working together as professionals in Colorado. So that's why I built collaboration into our mission. That's why I'm so passionate about collaborating with all sorts of different wildlife professionals. And so those that are a part of our organization, I'm kind of passionate about that as well. So we really try to foster a sense of community, foster a sense of collaboration through our nonprofit, but also through the work that we do as well. So we heavily rely on partnerships within our community with local ranger districts, um, our local game wardens, uh, the state, the federal government. Uh, we have important relationships with schools, um, our county, um, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Other nonprofits as well, other rehabilitators and educators, because I wholeheartedly strongly believe that not one person or not one organization can take on the challenges that we are faced with, with wildlife and with the environment and with the world. We all have to work together in order to create that change that we want. So that's why that collaboration is so important. 
absolutely resonate with what you're saying there because I think so often there is this dark history in conservation in particular of gatekeeping and fending for yourself and I don't think that's just a Colorado thing that's something that happens all around the world because so many people have struggled to survive and sustain themselves in this field it sort of carries through to that next generation but it's something that we really need to actively change as you said in order to solve these problems at a broader scale yep and that that gives me chills actually because that that's really how I feel and when I talked about some of the struggles of the past I absolutely have had gatekeepers that kept me from achieving goals that I wanted kept me from positions that I could have gotten into and I was often told that there's a million people waiting at the door for your position if you leave somebody else will just take your place or I've had other people tell me you know well well, I struggled so I had to work 15 hour days so you do too and I just don't agree with that mentality anymore and I want to be one of the change makers for my staff and for my volunteers and for my interns that come through. I suffered so you don't have to. And that's kind of really how I look at things and how I hope that this newer generation is starting to look at things as well. We don't have to work those 15 hour days anymore. We don't have to struggle to do this work. If we create the community we want, if we collaborate together, there's no need for that. Absolutely. In your experience, what are some of the ways that you've been able to foster that change amongst your community? Like, what would you recommend to people to break down those barriers and to stop that gatekeeping sort of culture? Oh, that's such a good question. It's a loaded question too, challenging. For somebody in my position, it's actually easier. It's just being more open to teaching, really. That That's one component because that was something else that was very um, hidden from a lot of people is these wildlife rehabilitators would have all this knowledge, but they wouldn't want to share it because if they shared it with somebody and somebody else knew it, then, you know, that was a threat to them. So I don't necessarily see it that way. And so I am very passionate about sharing knowledge and want others to share that knowledge as well, because it makes us all a stronger wildlife professional team um, as a whole um, in the world, if we can share that knowledge. For other people in my position, I also think that we need a little more patience and a little more empathy. And we have to remember that at one one time we were learning also, and we can't expect our staff and volunteers and interns um, to learn things or know things that they don't know anything about. And so providing that patience, providing that guidance is really important. And we really do need to change our mentality as leaders where just because I suffered doesn't that means somebody else has to. We need to get rid of that mentality completely. So if you are one of those leaders that have found yourself saying that, um, time to change your mind frame. And then my last bit of information or advice I should say would be, we are all still learning. And so for those leaders that think they know it all and have been doing this for 20, 30 years and don't have to learn anymore, there is always more to know. Wildlife rehab, uh, wildlife medicine, conservation medicine, Um, conservation in general is changing rapidly. New things are being learned all the time. And so it's actually a dangerous mentality to think and feel like you know it all. So going out there, um, getting continuing education and being a part of your community kind of helps to break down those barriers and change mind frames as well. Absolutely. I think that is such wonderful advice. I really resonate with what you're saying. Another thing that I'd really like to discuss is 
how you mentioned you were very persistent in the beginning, pushing towards your goal of setting this kind of thing up. I think it's really hard to balance the persistence and the hard work that is required to achieve goals with the balance and the not working 15-hour days, which can absolutely drain us and enter in things like imposter syndrome and burnout and those kind of things. Can you talk a little bit about how you've danced the line sort of between those things and continue to balance those opposite ends of the spectrum in order to achieve the goal of running this wildlife center? Absolutely. That's such an important question um, because I do deal with burnout regularly. I do deal with compassion fatigue regularly and I have dealt with imposter syndrome. So I think that that is a part of the journey and not something that should necessarily be pushed away, but kind of accepted as the individual and, and say, okay, this is where I am right now, but it's a temporary place where I am right now. And I'm just going to continue moving through. Um, to kind of reach and achieve my goals. It is a balance. Um, I don't believe that people should have to work 15 hours a day, um, but there are times where that's going to be required, right, to to achieve your your goals. And um, there have been times where I have worked three jobs um, to make my nonprofit work. I've I've worked the two paid jobs and then the nonprofit job that doesn't pay um, just so I could slowly kind of get to achieve my goals. So Um, It is a balance. Um, You do have to have those long, hard days, but you also have to know yourself and acknowledge when you are starting to get run down. And you have to allow yourself to take the day off, to take the nap if you want to take the nap, to sleep in the next day if you want, to close your computer for 24 hours and, and kind of take a break because that's also a part of the process. Healing your mind and your body so you can continue moving forward towards your goals is a part of the process. So I have certainly felt guilt where I'm like, oh, I should be working today. I can't believe I'm not. But you have to accept that we do need breaks. People need breaks. And if somebody tells you that they don't and they work seven days a week, they're lying or they're about to burn out really bad. (laughs) So it, it does happen to all of us. So be kind to yourselves. Be patient with yourselves as well. Take the day off when you need it. Take the hour off when you need it. Take the damn nap and um, just continue being persistent and moving forward. I love what you've alluded to there about really managing your expectations on yourself. Because so often for me, I think my journey through my career and wildlife conservation has been so aligned with my journey in sort of self-development and self-discovery as well. Has that been your experience? 100%. And like I said, I'm still learning. I am still going through that process. I am one of those individuals that still heavily tie happiness to my work identity, which is not always the healthiest thing to do. I am one of those individuals that uh, still tie my happiness to productivity, and that is also not healthy to do. So, you know, you kind of work through that and you have to know yourself well enough and realize that this is a process, just like your end goal of whatever that wildlife mission is. It's about the journey, not the end of the road. So enjoy the process. Take your time getting there. Most of us that are really driven want our goal yesterday. I like to joke about, but we have to take our time. We have to be kind to ourselves. And as long as you are making progress, that's all that really matters. And I have to oftentimes remind myself to look back and look back a year. Where was I a year ago? Where was I five years ago? And that's really when you're like, oh, wow. I may not be where I want to be today, but man, have I made some pretty amazing progress. So that's, that's some of my best advice right there. 
Yeah, 100%. It's really what you said about like taking those small steps towards those goals and celebrating small wins as you go, really appreciating where you are in your journey and not always like looking at the gap (laughs) between where you are and where you want to take it. Yep, exactly, exactly. It's so important to to celebrate the little wins because those are wins. Those are just as important as the big wins. And so celebrate those little tiny baby steps and don't forget to look back at where you came because it's all progress. It's all progress. 100%. And so do you find that you can have those thoughts and see results of setting those boundaries or taking those breaks in your own life? Or is it still very much a theoretical I feel like it's a combination of both. Um, I am much healthier as far as like live work balance goes than I was a few years ago. And I used to feel an immense amount of guilt when I didn't work in the evening or I I wasn't able to get to those emails or um, I took a day off. Like I would have so much guilt about that and almost, um, you know, work harder the following day and the following week. And that was super unhealthy. I was really run down. I was absolutely burnt out, um, stressed with lots of anxiety. And so I've learned that my brain actually functions better when I can take that day off. Like today is one of my days off. This is lovely. Um, I'm here talking with you and I'm not stressed and it's fantastic. Um, And so taking those days for yourself to do the things we love, like one of the things that does my soul the most good is going out and taking a hike getting out into nature, walking my dogs. And not only is that a nice break from work, but it actually is healthy. It's rejuvenating and it kind of rebalances some brain chemistry that we also desperately need. Those of us that are really driven, really workaholic types. So I don't get guilty anymore. I enjoy my time and just know that the work will still be there when when I get back to it and I'll make more progress when I get to it. So uh, still working on it, like the healthiness aspects of it, but but definitely heading in the right direction. Mental health is a process too, right? It's, it's all progress, little baby steps. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And so in terms of the wildlife rescue, what ways can people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, have all sorts of different ways that people can support us and get involved. If you are in and around Colorado, we are always accepting volunteers. We have an amazing volunteer group right now of about 30 individuals and counting. Um, and they get to come in, help us with feedings and cleanings of the wildlife. They help us with transporting and releasing of wildlife. They uh, get to be a part of our intakes and all the medical procedures if they would like to. And so we are a a great group. We love to teach and we also love to learn. Um, And so we love our volunteer team. So that's one very easy way people can get involved. But we also take interns as well. So we take interns from all over the country and potentially all over the world. We usually have like a three-month internship where people can come join us for a period of time and do all those same things we just talked about, which is a lot of fun. We love our interns. We are in the process of creating some research opportunities as well. Um, We are helping our state agency monitor a golden eagle nest that is on our property. And so we will do nest observations next year um, so that we can take data and hopefully put together um, some research about this unique nest. Other than that, just following us on our Facebook and social media, our Instagram, the more followers that we get, the more we can share our message and share 
um, who we are, what we do, and, and how we can all help wildlife together collaboratively. Um, so that's something very simple you can do. You know, we are a nonprofit run solely on donations. So if people felt compelled, um, they could always make a donation as well. And that goes directly back to um, the wildlife we care for. We are an all volunteer organization. Nobody gets paid on staff. So all of the money people donate goes directly into our project. Our website is rmwalliance.org. And on Instagram, I believe we are RMWA Wildlife. We can provide links to all of those things down in the show notes below. And what about yourself? If people had questions for you or they were interested in connecting with you, follow your adventures, how could they, if they could, go about that? Of course, yes. No, I always welcome um, other people that are interested in the field, students, people in the wildlife rehabilitation field that just wants to talk to somebody. You know, it's tough in our field to have people around us that know and understand what we're going through. So I welcome um, anybody to reach out to me. The best way to reach out to me um, are one of two ways. Uh, you can reach out to me at our uh, email address, which is connect at rmwalliance.org. Or you are welcome to contact me via Instagram at mywildlifestyle. Fantastic. And again, we'll provide links to both of those down in the show notes. Emily, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I guess before we finish, would you be able to give your number one piece of advice for aspiring conservationists? Absolutely. Well, first, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. So thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. My best piece of advice for people in the conservation field or, or looking to get into this field is just never stop learning. Just, just keep learning as much as you can because things change so quickly that there's always new information out there. So never feel like you know it all. Uh, just keep learning. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of It's a Wildlife. If you've been inspired by our discussion or have something to share, please get in touch, leave us a review or share the love with your network. We'll chat soon.